Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Topic of Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. In this roundtable discussion, I'm joined by my sister Kay Kellum, and we're going to be talking about the Limitless movie from 2011, starring Bradley Cooper. We have just watched this on Blu-ray. I've had it for quite a while. I've been wanting to watch it for a while. But what finally prompted us to watch it and then record about it is it's going to be the basis for a TV series that starts up this season. Yeah, September 22nd is the premiere of it. So right around the corner. Uh, Bradley Cooper, who starred in this, is going to be at least in the pilot, and I think possibly a recurring, um, maybe not, definitely not a regular, but a recurring on the TV show. So it is set in the same universe and continuing on from this. I think that's very cool. I think it's a smart move just all the way around, and particularly on, on Bradley Cooper's part, because there have been a number of times where you know a movie gets turned into a TV series. In some cases, the TV series really takes off. And just so overshadows the movie, it's not even funny. Yeah. Uh, Stargate, I think, is a great example of that. Agreed. You know, James Spader did a great job on that. Um, but then, you know, the the TV show, really, that's, I think, what most people think of now when they think of Stargate. Yeah. Or at least that's what I think they should think of. The premise of Limitless is a drug that basically gives you full access to your creativity, your mental processes, and every piece of information you've ever come across. Well, full use of every aspect of your mind. Yeah. Um, but without, like some shows or some movies and some premises have done, where suddenly you get telekinesis, telepathy, and crap like that. Agreed. This is strictly, you've got full, uh, you know, processing ability and memory ability. Right. No additional magical, you know, powers or anything. You can suddenly access memories you thought forgotten. Or maybe even never knew remembered. Yeah. You know, and they set it up pretty well at the beginning when he helps his landlord's wife write that article. Yes. And he's like, where is this coming from? Oh, wait, I saw this book at one time at this point. Mm -hmm. And just every piece of information he's got is suddenly instantly accessible and kind of automatically collated and synthesized into new stuff. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a fascinating concept. Well, and because it's relying on memory, it's not just I can remember everything I heard. It's not just I can remember everything I read. It's I can remember. So he remembers watching a PBS documentary. He remembers flipping through the pages of a book and he can bring all of that together. But it happens kind of automatically yes not like he's got to oh wait i did see this and then put the pieces together yes it's just instantly again perfectly accessible perfectly indexed if you will Mm -hmm. to where it's not just that it's at his fingertips it's like an innate part of him that is just automatically synthesized into a response a thought a process a plan a reaction almost and what i found humorous was he takes the one pill encounters it you know gets that experience and then winds up with a batch of pills of an undetermined quantity i don't know 80 maybe 
based on the size of the Ziploc bag, which is larger than the palm of his hand, and being someone who does take prescription medications, I'm guessing it was more like 300 pills, even given the size of them. Okay, maybe. That seems high to me. I was thinking 80, 100-ish, but I, I, I was thinking it was kind of like a one level, not a you know, thick package. It wasn't uber thick, but it was at least too thick. All right. A fair number, but a finite number. Yeah, definitely finite. And he seems to blow through them fairly quickly. Well, he blows through the ones he had kept readily accessible. And we find out that he was so sure he was moving in with his girlfriend that he had already put most of them over at her place and hidden them there. In the I was show. never unclear when he did that. Yeah, that was not set up at all. That was just magically it happened. And he broke up with she broke up with him yeah, before he they, got the pills. Yeah, but then they were back together yeah, by this yeah. point. But that was to me, that was something the writers did to have a reason for the girlfriend to have to take one of the pills and experience it. Yeah, because in the course of the movie he takes the pills quite a bit. She takes the pill just the once, as far as we know. Mm-hmm. Um, the drug dealer, or actually not the drug dealer, the guy he borrowed money from. The loan shark. The loan shark took the pills a couple of times. And the other uh, mega rich investor guy mm-hmm. was taking them. Beyond that, I don't know. The ex-wife had taken them. The ex-wife them. had taken them. You're right. I'd forgotten about that. And then he calls the other people in the infamous black book and finds out three had died and a bunch are in the hospital. So a few dozen people probably had taken it. Yeah. One of the things they, so you've got this, this incredible ability uh, to, to think of all these things, yet he seems to always be in a reactive manner. He's not thinking, how do I get off this? How do I leverage this? How do I take this finite supply and make it last. No, instead of thinking that way, he's thinking, how do I find a chemist who can make me more? We never come back to the chemist. No, we we reference the lab later in terms of I'm not worried about having a supply. And then we reference the your lab's been shut down. Yeah. There are a lot of things I felt were either blatantly, yes, this is a thread and we drop it. Or things that were hinted at as possible threads that could have been well used and were either dropped or never used. Okay, other than the lab, what other threads do you think they kind of blatantly dropped? Well, let's let's take the uh, the other uh, guy they were going to merge with, the right. elderly guy who ends up uh, being sick. So at this point, Bradley Cooper's character is taking some chump change turned it over an investment you know portfolio worth millions gotten on the radar of uh, a big wall street guy robert de niro's character Mm -hmm. that guy is planning on merging his company with another kind of a guy who just came out of nowhere two years ago yeah and that guy had been taking it and stuff all right all right so at a face-to-face meeting with the guy who came out of nowhere the camera makes it clear to us as viewers that we are seeing signs that this guy is in poor health. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're getting shots of the cane. The limp, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the the slightly shaky hand. I think we were getting a shot of like sweat on the brow that implied fever, not nervousness, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And we had already had seen earlier where our lead hero 
has told his mom, I've been looking into Aunt So-and-So's tumor. Here's everything you need to do to fix it. He seemed to be a, a, a medical doctor by that point. Because he can research anything. He can put the knowledge together with anything. So he sees all of these symptoms, but doesn't notice this guy is sick. He just notices this guy is old and time has been rough on him in a conversation with De Niro's character. Mm-hmm. The way they set it up, he may not have recognized what the symptoms were because he may not have had that knowledge, but he should have recognized the symptoms. And there seemed to be no innate curiosity to go look up what that meant. Exactly. He didn't identify them as symptoms that might mean this person is sick, that might mean this person has cancer, and that's why he's willing to take on a merger that everybody had thought he would never consider. But this that is kind of thing. kind of thing where w- once you've taken that kind of a, a drug mm-hmm. and you realize what it can do, if you don't need to be taking it every day and you have good days, bad days, quite literally, you're, yes. you're on the drug you, you, days and then you're off. On your off days, you just start flipping through a medical journal. Yeah. You literally don't even need to read it. You just need to look at it. Yes, yes. Well, the fact that he didn't pursue it all, this guy might be in bad health Mm -hmm. and that might influence the timing on the deal. That might mean we need to get him to sign the deadline before he dies. None of that phased him, affected him, went into his thinking. Even when he offered the wife, you know, is there anything we can do to help? He should have jumped on it at that point. Right. At that point, the guy is only in the hospital for tests. He doesn't even consider going to the hospital to find out what the tests are about or anything. Okay. Then we have the loan shark break into his apartment to get more pills. Okay. At this point, he's moved into a really secure bunker kind of apartment. Yes. It used to belong to a uh, arms dealer, we find out. But apparently a pretty stupid arms dealer because the way this thing was set up as a bunker... The loan shark with two thugs and it looked like just a, a, a circular saw kind of a deal. Yeah. Cuts through it inside of 20 minutes, it seems and like. Like a welding torch or whatever. Yeah, he got in pretty darn They easy. seemed to cut in, not burn yeah. through. Yeah. But they, they got in fast. Yeah. And given the way they had kind of done a triangular cut around the, the doorknob, that didn't make sense given the way we'd seen kind of the steel bars that would shoot out through the thing. Great. You No, no, the steel bars that shoot out through the thing were at the old apartment. Not the one on the back of the door, but the vault-like door. Maybe that oh. was the safe room. No, I think that was the safe room. Which, again, they got in really quick. They did. Yeah, the safe room was worthless. I mean, he was in the safe room for literally 30 seconds. Yeah. And yeah. they got in there after him. But good use of a flat-screen TV as a weapon. I guess. Okay, so the loan shark is really mad at him and is threatening to torture him to find out where the supply of pills are. Mm-hmm. Okay, and in the process of all of this, the loan shark mentions that he has figured out that if you turn the pill into a liquid form... If and, you, like, dissolve it and then shoot it. You know, it goes straight into the blood, it lasts longer, this and that. Basically gives him a tutorial. Yes. On how to take that's it. that's a smart thing to do. Yes, and how to take it intravenously. Now, at this point, we are finding out that uh, Mr. Uh, Atwood, the investor dude in the merger thing, has fallen into a coma. Mm -hmm. 
and can't swallow a pill if he gets it from the lawyer who stole our good guy's stash. But you could put it into his IV drip, essentially, and do it that way. Or shoot it straight into his vein, which we just learned how to do, except that our hero never considers doing that to save the deal. Well, again, by this point, he should have already saved the deal because the reason the the loan shark is after him is because he hadn't paid up. He could have paid up or actually bought the guy off or whatever. The, the previous scene after the last time we'd seen the loan shark was there's no problem. Forty million dollars can't solve. Yes. Which is what he was going to get when the deal closed. So he already had the motive to get the money. Yes. I mean, there are a couple of things where it was well written. It was well done. But there were opportunities for it to have been tighter and even better written. There were opportunities for it to be as brilliant as the pill. Yeah. You know, and don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it immensely. There were just so many times where I was sitting here saying, okay, go see Atwood at the hospital. Okay, now you've got something you can even use and you know how you use on Atwood at the hospital. Go to the hospital. Next time we actually see Atwood at the hospital, they're putting a sheet over his head because he died because our hero did nothing. That's the problem with any story about a smart pill. Yes. Is it really needs a really sharp writer? Yes. Or in this, in the case of the upcoming TV series, a writer's room of really smart and clever people. Because at every point they should be thinking, but wait, can't he do this? Yeah. Now the problem with that is you get to the point where they've got to start short-circuiting that stuff for dramatic effect. Oh, definitely. But definitely. you shouldn't be writing a character such... Writing a story such that this kind of a character needs to be thinking his way out of situations. He should just having to be maneuvering around situations. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's not like a MacGyver. Well, if you know how to do this kind of a deal. Mm -hmm. Because the guy should know how to do everything. And if he doesn't, like I was saying, the guy on an off day could have just been flipping through medical journals or engineering journals or anything of use. Yeah. Now, the TV show is going to be a crime-solving situation. Yeah. Which is about as different from this money-making situation as you can get. And I did enjoy a lot of those aspects of the atmosphere. But, again, he went from impressing a bunch of people in a bar with all the Mm -hmm. witty, intelligent things he could say about their occupations etc to as he's leaving somebody hands him a card and says i'm sure a guy like you already has a portfolio but i'd love to you know go over it with you and have you and suddenly he instead of hiring that guy to manage his portfolio he's working with that guy at that guy's desk in that guy's company it just there was a little bit of a a a jump there in the narrative yeah that i think they could have explained away a little better with the voiceover narration yeah I mean, because that was also when they were pointing out that taking two of the pills lowered the learning curve, all yes. that kind of stuff. And I get why he wanted to do it personally versus through a proxy. Exactly. But we weren't seeing even much of the guy sitting next to him saying, him up. he just walked straight up to the cubicle, sat down and started doing it. Yeah, it's like he walked into a new job and had free reign. Yeah. And that just didn't make sense. Yeah, so I needed another scene there to just kind of glide me into the situation. Yeah. The movie was, how long was this? It was uh, a little over two hours, I think it was. I was thinking an hour 39 minutes. Uh, 
Um, I am being handed the box. Yeah, I don't have my glasses on. Sorry, and the light's not good enough. Hundred and five minutes. Hundred and five minutes. Okay, so it was uh, hour forty-five. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So it's not like they had to cut it for time. No, but at the um, yeah, at the one hour twenty-three minute mark, because I actually looked at the that DVD was when player. we kind of rewind to the beginning where they start because they start on a dramatic moment. Yeah. Yeah, and that was one of those. I mean, even as we're watching that. And they go to the credits and you're like, and how far will we rewind? I don't think they needed to start that way because they could have started with a, you know, him walking across the street. And this is me a little while ago. I mean, who looks like this kind of a thing? That's a strong opening. It is. It is. But I think because it was, I'm trying to figure out how to describe the pacing of the film. It was a at times meandering, slow-paced film. Not that it was poorly paced or badly paced, but it was just such a relaxing film at times. Well, I think that was part of the point of it. On this drug, every life just goes easy for you. Yeah. But, but I, there's also a sense of if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards kind of a thing. Yes. And I think they wanted to start with a it-doesn't-mean-things-are-easy moment. Just yeah. to point out to you, there will be drama, there will be action. Don't worry that this is just a slow plotting movie. Don't walk out on us. And that's uh, how many people walk out on films these days? Exactly. Because I'm personally very tired of the 48 hours ago and then rewind. I can't tell you how many times I've been reviewing a, a comic with Drew on the weekly comic Spotlight. And point out, it's like, okay, the first scene, they do this, then they cut back to, then they build back up to, you know. The only show I have ever watched and consistently liked the, we're yeah. going to show you, see, you already know what show it was, uh, Flashpoint. I loved the, we're going to show you the crisis point. Because that's when the hostage rescue team or the uh, strategic response team strategic shows response up. Unit, yeah. And then you stay with them as they're trying to figure out what brought all these people to this crisis. So, yes, you're rewinding to get the information and they're showing you some flashbacks of earlier this morning they lost their job. That's why they're on the ledge. But starting with the first five or sometimes ten minutes of kind of that flashpoint moment of this thing just got out of control and they've got to rein it in. Yeah. And then, okay, but what led up to this? I mean, to me, mm-hmm. that was part of the definition of the show. Exactly. You were arriving with the SWAT team to find out, okay, everything's in crisis. We can either pull a trigger to end the crisis or we can spend the next 35 minutes doing our research, using our brains, and talking everybody out of this situation alive. But again, to me, that was the the formula of the show, mm-hmm. and it was an intentional creative decision that, that worked there. Yes. Whereas in a movie like this, it goes back to what you were saying of this is just, hey, don't worry, we're going to have action, we're going to have drama, we're going to have mm-hmm. high stakes, let us build to it. And there was a point in time where movies would not have done that. And True. To, uh, well, let me, let me recant on that slightly because I think you can go f- as far back as Citizen Kane mm. where it essentially ends on or begins on that moment and the mm. whole thing leads up to, but what what do, what is Rosebud? Yeah, true. So, I mean, this has been done a lot by brilliant people. 
but it, at times it seems like very much a writing crutch, and I think here it mm-hmm. was that way. There's no reason they couldn't have started again with, with Bradley Cooper's character walking across the street, you know, as as his, you know, that, that earliest in time moment we see of him. Yeah. And I think it would have played a little bit better than, oh, now we've gotten to the beginning again. Yeah. Because anytime you feel the need to, oh, well, how long into the film are we? Mm-hmm. That shows you're out of the story. Yeah. Well, and I do it every single time I watch something where they start with a dramatic moment and then rewind. Because I want to know how much time did they spend getting me up to that point and would I have been happy if they had just started at the beginning and told me the story. But a lot of times it's a cheap ploy to get an extra five minutes or something because you're duplicating the five minutes. Mm -hmm. And they didn't do much of the duplication here. No, I mean, this... this That I'll give them credit for. The writing technique goes in a couple of flavors, one of which is, oh, get to where I recognize where we're at, jump over the first scene since we've already seen it. So mm-hmm. you're just taking it out of chronological mm-hmm. order and how you present it. Yeah. Another one does kind of a replay, and then there's another variant where they do the replay and cheat a little and give you, well, this is really what you yes. should have seen. Yeah. And I hate that. Yeah, this one kind of came out from a slightly different angle, took you right up to the crisis moment, And actually gave you a little foreshadowing of the ending. Because he's really at that, you know, if I'm going to die, I'm going to choose how I'm going to die. But then he steps back from that moment and says, but, you know, I have a powerful instinct to survive. And he starts using his brain even though he's not on the drug. The problem I have with that is at the beginning, we're seeing him literally on a ledge about to jump. The camera dives down as if he has jumped. Mm, yeah the well and i didn't like i liked aspects of that camera work because it was really hard to read the credits as the camera was whooshing forward i'm not even sure i i guess i did realize there were credits i didn't read any of them because the whole thing is instead of hitting the, the the taxi at the bottom it does a 90 degree turn and then starts flying down the street Mm-hmm. Flying forward. Flying forward down the street, yeah. As we're going backward in time, it's flying forward. Well, and we see a similar effect later. I, I've got to talk about the cinematography here because some of the stuff they did, particularly with this seemingly endless shot as you're flying forward through Manhattan mm-hmm. or whatever. It was beautiful. I'd love to know how they shot that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that wasn't the only such thing. There are times where you get almost a fish, not almost, you literally get a fish eye kind of effect. It's like... Suddenly, the guy's peripheral vision is not just kind of lost on the side. He He's fully aware of it and can see what's going on. Yeah. And other aspects where they are, are highlighting what we're seeing when he has the flashback when his current girlfriend is dumping him of his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. The way they had highlighted an area and the rest was kind of in shadow. I mean, some of the the visual effects they did Mm -hmm. from a storytelling perspective were really effective. Yeah. The going to a uh, kind of a a dynamic high range kind of a thing uh, when he's on the drug. Yes. And feels like a heightened reality. Yeah. Very effective. The the coloring of his eyes getting it uh, bluer blue. Yeah. You know, again, that hyper realism. Not to the point where it's just, wow, this is kind of overdone, guys, but to a point of, 
I can tell when he's on it and when he's off because mm-hmm. I'm paying attention. Yes. Putting you in the mindset of this guy is paying attention. Yeah. So I thought they did a lot of very effective things, very smart things from how they shot it and how they worked it. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of times where I was just in awe of the cinematography and sitting there going, oh my God, this is the most beautifully shot thing I'm watching. But there were other times where to emphasize the heightened awareness, they're doing the close-up on this, close-up on that, yeah. close-up on the other thing. And on the one hand, I'm appreciating the, okay, he's aware of this, that, and the other. But they weren't giving me, either through the cinematography or the writing, any sense of context or why it's important, a la either Mentalist or Psych or one of those TV shows. I think Psych did it the best because it would have a little highlight around what he's seeing or it would flash or somehow. You had the audio cue Mm -hmm. and it was very clear as to what was going on. Whereas once in a while they would do that on Mentalist, but not as much. Mm -hmm. Here, I don't think that part of the cinematography was as effective, say, as Psych. Yeah, I just, I wasn't always sure okay, what am I supposed to be getting out of this? Like with the guy Atwood, where he's noticing, okay, he's not in good health, but am I supposed to be noticing, oh, these are signs of Parkinson's. These are signs of cancer. These are signs of something he's aware of or what? And again, with a movie where you're doing voiceover narration at times, Mm -hmm. they had the opportunity to literally be telling us those things. Yeah. Or even, as I think from what I've seen on the trailer for the TV show, flash up visual indication you know text of yeah you know highlight this with a circle this is indicating of you know whatever yeah yeah and i'm hoping with the tv show that they're able to do more things of that nature a la psych and things like that because again they're doing a a procedural yes which i think is a smart move and i'm wondering if they're going to train the guy that kind of a stuff i mean this is a fun world Mm-hmm, definitely. And one that I'm glad is seeing, granted it took them four or five years, uh, translating into a, a TV series. Yeah. Or extending into a TV series. Agreed, yeah. Because in most other cases, uh, not most, but many, um, they kind of reset the clock, retell the origin or that the, the events of the movie such that they can tweak it and then move forward or just say, yeah, something like that happened, but not exactly what you saw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, again, Stargate took place, Stargate SG-1 took place after the Stargate movie, but with some liberties here and there. Yeah. It's funny because it's been so long since I saw the trailer for this movie that I had thought the uh, pills came from De Niro's character. Yeah, the fact that we got the bro- ex-brother-in-law as the original source and the fact that he never chased down how to get more. Again, that bothered me a lot. Yeah, he never chased down where the ex-brother-in-law got them. Yeah. And not even at prior to the very end of the movie, where it's a 12-month hop. Yeah. So even if he hadn't done it in those 10 or 12 days where we're so immersed in his life, we don't even get a, what makes you think in the past 12 months, I didn't buy the formula off one of the scientists and this, that, or the other. The 12 months later jump is interesting for the verbiage. Why 12 months later? Why Mm. not a year later? Why not 365 days later? Yeah. Because the pill seems to last for a day. I mean, there's a number of ways they could have phrased that. Yeah. That might have worked better or worse even, you know. 
Well, and we watched the, uh, I guess you would say the theatrical ending as well as the alternate ending. Yeah. And there were aspects of each ending that I liked. Um, they had very different takes on basically as he hooked on the pills for life. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also had just different, a different dynamic between him and uh, De Niro's Carl. Absolutely. In, De Niro, in the alternate ending, De Niro is a bit more on top and offering him kind of a way out from p- potential, you know, horrible death or whatever because of the, the burnout aspect of the pill. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the theatrical release, which is what I'm hoping they go with, it's very clear that Bradley Cooper's character is in full control of the situation. He's weaned himself off. He has had after he, I mean, he's modified the drug to where mm-hmm. he could wean himself off successfully. Uh, he's he's mentally changed. He still has a lot of the advantages. Mm-hmm. You know, it's elevated him to that level on a permanent basis, it seems like. Mm-hmm. He's benefited from taking the drug. He has, I don't want to say healed in some fashion, but, you know, the ideal medication does something good for you. Well, it permanently changes the synapses to where you're always thinking those 50 moves ahead mm-hmm. versus only having that clarity when you're on the pill. And then in the, the case of the uh, the ex-wife, you know, asen- at- having attention deficit disorder Yeah, um, when you're not on it. So I'm hoping that's where they go mm-hmm. with it. He's ru- his character's running for uh, Senate. I'm pretty sure he will be a senator in the TV show, hence not being involved yeah. all the time. But it makes me wonder how much time will have elapsed. Well, one of the things I liked in the alternate ending was when he's sitting there talking to Carl's character and he's saying, what makes you think I can't have the drug outsmart the drug? Yeah. Well, that bothered me because it took the entire film to get to that point. Yes. Yes. I mean, this character, he's a writer. So the first thing he does is clean, clean up his apartment. Needs it. Okay. Got it. Uh, and then, then write the book he was trying to write. Okay. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Then let's make some money, but never once thinking, okay, I've got a finite supply. Yeah. I mean, to me, he should have been thinking either I've got a finite supply. So how do I set myself up comfortably? How well I'm smart. Can I come up with a plan that a stupid me could go fulfill mm-hmm. or live comfortably on and benefit from? Yeah. Or how do I stay smart? How do I, you know. There, mm-hmm. there are a number of paths they could have gone down if you just think a little further ahead. And for something that we're told multiple times in the film lets you think further ahead. Yeah. For him not to on the obvious point. Yes. This was a game changer for him and he takes it for granted. Yeah. You know, he should have had another avenue also for drilling, dealing with the loan shark. Yes. Okay. First, you got to give him the, the one pill. Got it. Not not a choice. But after that, a mm-hmm. lot of options. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that that point is going to come back. You're going to hit that decision point of what do you hand and what do you do, etc. Deal with that earlier rather than later. And that was another one where I felt not that he was juggling too many things and couldn't handle it all. It's that he didn't apply himself to handling it. Yeah, he let a lot of details just fall away. It's the kind of film that I would have expected there to be scenes where you see the character in his chair behind his desk, thinking, mm-hmm. clearly strategizing. Well, and to that end, that was one of the things I really liked, and both endings had it, I think, was uh, 
right before they leave his office to go walk out to the car. He's just sitting there and the camera lingers on. It's the one time we see him thinking. Yeah. And he's just very clearly working it through before he gets up. And that played really well in the main ending mm-hmm. where by the time he gets out there, he's like, what makes you think I'm still on the drug and I need you? I thought that was a much more effective ending, particularly with the van. Yes. Yes. And it really hammered home to De Niro's character, who's clearly not on the drug. Yeah. He's got a problem here. I just liked a few of the thoughts that were in the other one and wished they'd been worked in. Mm -hmm. You know, because in this one, in the ending that was the primary one, it came across as... What makes you think I couldn't just throw enough money at the problem to solve it? Mm-hmm. Whereas the other one had the attitude of what makes you think I can't use the drug to think my way out of the problem? But again, what I liked about the theatrical ending was he had thought his way out of the problem. Yes. Yes. It showed he was smart. The main ending had definitely given his character a complete arc. He had grown. He had matured. He and the girlfriend were together in a good, healthy relationship. He had a game plan. Yeah, He definitely. was executing on the game plan. Things were going well. He was being the best him he could be. Yes. And given that I'm thinking they're going to go off the theatrical ending for the TV show, mm-hmm. I'm very curious what relationship he's going to have with the protagonist of the TV show who's going to be the one taking the, the drug there. Mm-hmm. Although I'm presuming the government agents you know, handling that guy are going to be doling it out one at a time. Well, the impression I get from the commercials is kind of a, they figure out that he's only smart when he takes a drug. And they're like, why don't you use it and take it to do something good? Mm-hmm. Why can't we be the ones to choose when you're smart and how you apply it? Well, and again, I love the idea of if you can have those down days without killing yourself, Mm -hmm. which in this case, you know, with the early version of the drug, the guy couldn't. um, There's highly productive ways you can use the the not so smart days Mm -hmm. just by filling your brain with the information you can leverage later. Yeah. I mean, the fact... This guy never set foot in a library Mm -hmm. or a bookstore amazes me. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, you had asked early on if, you know, if I would have taken that kind of a pill. And at the time, all we know is it's a pill. No, wouldn't do it. Allegedly with FDA approval, he's been told. But if I knew what it could do, even at the 800 a shot, which was the price the guy was saying, and granted the downsides at the time of it's basically going to kill you, ah, that, that sucks. I mean, I am not into uh, medication, drugs, or any of that kind of stuff, but man, it would be hard to turn that kind of a thing down when suddenly you've gotten to that heightened level of awareness and everything you've tossed into your brain over the decades you've been alive is now accessible. Yeah. You know, but the question would then be, what do you spend that time doing? How often do you take it and such? And it's not the sort of thing, I, I think this guy made a serious mistake of, Well, I'll just keep taking it and stuff. You know, you take some time, come up with a game plan before taking it. Yes. With the first part of that game plan being, okay, the first day, once you've kind of, okay, I see what it can do, Mm -hmm. then you have your, your, take it, see what it does. Got it. Okay, next, come up with a basic game plan, then 
take the pill for a day, use that for your game plan. Compare after the notes afterwards, whatever. But basically, find a way to set yourself up financially to be comfortable. Do the creative endeavors you want. Find out how to change your lifestyle to where, and if you've got to write yourself notes, whatever, you can be off it. Yeah. And just say, okay, it's worth taking if A, B, or C happens. Otherwise, I just live off the interest on my account. I, You know, whatever. Yeah. You know, not that you've got to coast or whatever, but... It does seem like becoming dependent on any kind of chemical like that, wildly dangerous. Yes. And we don't use every part of our brain, presumably for a reason. Yeah. Again, like the ex-wife said, you're not supposed to burn that hot. Yeah. You know, you're you're gonna uh, burn out the synapses or whatever. Um, but the again, the, the potential there of the, that sort of a wonder drug that lets you be the best you can be, who, who wouldn't be tempted by that? Yeah, agreed. And I mean, the asking price the 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 ex brother in law had of eight hundred dollars for one day of that kind of clarity and mental ability, to me, that's a ridiculously low price. Yeah. I mean, anyone. I mean, the guy even just with the the chump change he had was able to quadruple his money in a single day. Yeah. You can you can make you you have the ability to make the money you need to pay for the drug. Yeah. Therefore, they're not charging enough. You know what I mean? It. I don't know. The, the The finances there just don't make sense to me. And maybe if I had the drug and had the clarity, they would. I was about to ask that. I know. But again, that's the challenge of this kind of a premise. It's you're, you're putting it out there, in this case for a movie, that millions of people are going to go see. Mm-hmm. You're going to have each one of those people potentially having at least one idea of, he should have done this. Yes, yes. Yes. So in theory, and we've had a couple. Yeah. You know, so in theory, there are millions of better ideas than what they did. Or at least alternate ideas. Fair enough. But you got to figure some of them are going to be better. Not to say the ones we had are, but you know what I mean? Playing the odds. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can't wait to see it as a TV show. I'm looking forward to it. That's why I wanted to watch the movie before the TV season began. Yeah. Well, and this, like I said, had been over in the stack to watch sooner rather than later for a while. Yeah. But it's frankly quite a few fairly tall stacks of, of dvds and blu-rays uh this was fun this lived up to what i had expected the premise to do um i thought the cast was good mm-hmm. aside from bradley cooper and de niro i didn't really recognize many people no i i kind of feel like i've seen them in a few commercials um the one who played De Niro's right-hand man, I know I've seen on other shows. There are a couple I'm sure I've seen and we look up, we would find, yeah. oh, I've watched this show, this show, that show, but none that were really memorable. Yeah. None that really jumped out. Oh, yeah, I remember this one from. Yeah. The TV show is going to have Hill Harper, who uh, was on CSI New York, was on The Handler. Yeah. Um, he has written some books. Um. I can't think of the titles of them right now. Uh, one of them's like uh, letters to, uh, I want to say it's either a young black man or a younger me, one of the two. Um, but he just gives really good sound advice. He went to, I think it was Harvard. Uh, he's got a strong college background. Mm-hmm. And he puts in these books just very basic I wish somebody had told me when I was 18. Interesting. I'm curious about the books. I uh, watched The Handler, which was a TV show that lasted half a season or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, a number of years ago, probably close to 10 now. 
where it was basically uh, an FBI handler, mm-hmm. uh, Joe uh, Pantaleone. Pantaleone, and four undercover people mm-hmm. that he had under him. And most of them have gone on to do other stuff. Hill Harper yeah. did a great job there. Again, went on to... Um, CSI New York. One of the other girls from it went on to CSI New York with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the girls went on to uh, Criminal Minds. Yeah. And I forget who the fourth... Yeah, me too. There was another one in there. Uh, but most of them, it's like they've, they've continued to work fairly steadily mm-hmm. since. Yeah, well, and it was a great show because they were constantly being sent undercover. So they just really got to show how many different characters they could do. It's the kind of thing that's, if you've got the right cast, a really fun show. Because every week, they're playing both the same character and a different character. Yeah. It's definitely a show that did not cast people who can only play themselves. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I've been a fan of of Hill Harper from that and a few of the Mm -hmm. other people from there. Um, So I I think him being on the show is going to be a good thing. Uh, it sounded like, again, Bradley Cooper is going to recur how often, don't know, mm-hmm. but I like that. I think handing the baton and being involved is a smart move. Me too. Um, I think it being on CBS will be a good thing. Yeah. I think CBS is doing really well with the procedurals for the past decade or so. Um, and honestly, I think their demographic will like a procedural where... One of the people investigating is just smart and not in an obnoxious way, but in a I can access my memories way. What I'm wondering if that audience will like or not is the fact it's based on uh, on drugs. I think because the drug comes from a pharmaceutical company and is up for FDA approval, I think it skates that line enough away from illegal drug. Well, and even just having the authorities being doling it out. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, but I definitely share your concern. If if it were a, this guy has to be on uh, cocaine and heroin mixed together to solve crimes. Yeah, to, to solve he happens crimes. to have a unique reaction to it. Yeah, yeah I don't think that'd go well. Yeah, that demographic definitely would not. So. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that works. Um, I do like the fact that, again, we'll have a good procedural. We've got somebody really smart and intelligent that's not just a complete jerk, antisocial or mm-hmm. cruel or, you know, whatever, because or goofball. Well, and not faking it. Not, and I mean, no offense to mentalist and psych, because I loved those shows, but they were so busy putting on a front at times. But I think both shows had guys that were genuinely, the characters were genuinely smart. True. And they were flip sides of the same coin. Yes. One's, I mean, both were, I mean, not pretending to be psychic. Clearly, James Roday's character of uh, of uh, Sean was was pretending to be a psychic, but he was the classic Sherlock Holmes type. Yeah, just in a modern goofball kind of a guy. I guess my thing is, I feel like this character will probably come across as more honest. I'm hoping more every man when he's not on the drug. Yes, and I'm I'm hoping for some for him coming across as very sincere. Both in wanting to solve the crimes, just as well as the quality of the man. Well, and that's kind of what worked in the intelligence TV show that Josh Holloway was on. Definitely. And the potential difference between that show and the Limitless TV show is the chip Holloway's character had was always on in intelligence. Yes. 
Whereas here, the guy is going to be off the drug at times. And I yeah. hope a fair amount of the time. Yeah. Because if he's always smart, that's not as fun. Yeah. But if it's a, you know, pop the pill, get the 24 hours of, of genius or whatever, that adds some dramatic capabilities. And it also adds some empathy because the guy is spending enough time off the thing to know what it's like to be a regular guy. Yeah. Agreed. I'm wondering if they'll do sort of a, you can only take this four times a week or side effects, bad results, something. Well, and does he get the language skills that Bradley Cooper's character got? Does he get all of these other things that just by osmosis almost? Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, based on the rules they set up in this movie, I've watched enough, you know, just with the Japanese Super Sentai shows. You have. That I pop one of those pills, I should be speaking Japanese, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know? And it really goes back to, if you think through your life, I mean, I spent two years in college studying, not necessarily learning, but studying Latin, uh, two years in uh, high school on French, two years in junior high on Spanish. Those I would say definitely studying, not learning. Um, but now it's like all of that would be available to me. I, I would be speaking, able to speak at least four languages, spend mm -hmm. enough time in probably Germany, just with the summer cruise over in Italy and stuff, um, that I might even be able to, to do some of that. I mean, yeah, the, the narrative possibilities are amazing. I guess the question I have with what you've just said brings it to mind is if you had a military vet with PTSD who, if only he could access all his memories, he could help us defuse this bomb, save this situation, whatever it is. But you were aware that because he could now access all his memories, he his PTSD would be worsened. Would I don't you think give it, it to would him? be. Because you can you can access it, but it doesn't mean you do access it. Oh, good point. It's not like the stuff is just swirling around uncontrollably. It's the exact opposite. You have ultimate control. You have the ultimate control. And as they say in one point, Bradley Cooper's when he's at the beach in the other country, you know, his fear has gone away. His all of those inhibitions. Yeah. You know, he's got the confidence uh -huh. because he knows he he should. Going back to, he, by the end of the movie, he was the best him he could be. Absolutely. And I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. Any movie that puts forward a premise of, we're going to take a character who, in that first walking across scene, walking across the street scene, looks one step above homeless. Yeah, he looks like a loser. And by the end of the movie, he is the best him he could ever be. That's one heck of a movie. Well, and the best him is a pretty good guy. It is. It's a good person internally. I mean, one of the things they could have played up here is the lone shark being the best him he could be. <laughs> yes. Still wasn't that great of a guy. Yeah. And that came through. But you're right. They didn't emphasize the... Yeah, you wouldn't want to give it to a serial killer, for instance. And the best him he could be might be Hitler. But it also was referenced a little with the ex-brother-in-law, where he's saying, yeah, it helps if you start out kind of smart. Yes. Yeah. Well, and it was interesting the way the ex-brother-in-law didn't want to talk about his own sister. Mm -hmm. And the fact that her husband was no longer in the picture. Because once we saw her at the diner... 
it was kind of the, so did he leave her for going off the drug and becoming ADD slash normal again? Was he on the drug? Yeah. What happened there? There's Yeah. There are a lot of things. Again, there's more story potential there. Oh, yeah, definitely. And again, how much time has elapsed? Presumably real time-ish, so four years, whatever. Yeah. Is the char- is the protagonist in the TV show going to have any relation to any of these characters? How does he come across the drug? I'm looking forward to the, the show. I think yeah. it'll be a lot of fun. It should be great. And I think it's better for it to have done that than a Limitless 2. Yes. Kind of a, a sequel movie. Yeah. Agreed. It would have been hard to really live up to this as just another two-hour movie and be satisfying. Whereas, again, I think the the different narrative possibilities offered by an ongoing TV show versus hour-and-a-half, two-hour movie mm-hmm. uh, work to its advantage. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. So I enjoyed this quite a bit. Glad we watched it. And like I said, looking forward to the TV show. Mm-hmm. Anything Agreed. else? Or does that do it? That does it. Cool. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.